Well, welcome to Foundry and Merry Christmas. I hope you're getting ready to celebrate uh, with friends and family. And I know you're doing that right now. Uh, what, what God has done through Jesus and sending him to be with us. Uh, what a great time to, just to celebrate that and to remember who Jesus is and what he's come to do. Um, I want to start off by talking about today about behind the scenes, uh, seeing things behind the scenes. I love, I love figuring out like the true story behind something. Uh, seeing what's really going on. So maybe this is like a movie is made. I love seeing the behind the scenes to the movie and getting a feel for the personalities behind it, the challenges they ran into. Uh, one of my favorite things to do almost every week is, is to watch the NFL clips with the mic'd up players. So the, the NFL will post clips from the football games and they'll, they'll have mic'd up some of the players and they'll be talking and jawing off. And I, I love seeing that. You get a feel for kind of what's, what's really going on behind the scenes. Uh, honestly, I don't want people to get behind the scenes in my life very much. Uh, I'd rather that not happen, but I love getting behind the scenes with other people and for other people. One of the most interesting behind the scenes experiences I ever got was back in 2007. There was a governor's race here in Mississippi, and I don't, some of y'all will remember this. It was John Arthur Eves running as a Democrat and then Haley Barber running as the Republican. And that particular night, my dad was actually going to be on TV uh, channel 16 here in Jackson, and he was going to be talking about uh, the election and had given some commentary on it, and so he took me along with him that night. Well, before we went to the TV station, we actually went to where, where they were having the party for the Democratic Party and the, the governor, so John Arthur Eves was going to be there, so we went to that party first because my dad actually had a personal connection with John Arthur Eves, who was running for governor. We show up, and we, John Arthur Eves is actually there, and so we say hey to him, and I get to shake his hand and meet him. And then this guy who's running for governor says to me and my dad, hey, why don't you all come up with me? My family's actually gathering up in the room upstairs. That felt a little too personal, but we went up with him to that room, and, and we walked into this room, and it's like John Arthur Eves and his family and just a couple close friends, and we have a chance to pray with him there. It's kind of a cool experience all just in that room. I think a couple people were just sitting on the bed. It was just a very, uh, I don't know, personal experience. So then we leave there and we go to, we go to the uh, television studio and my dad's doing his commentary and I'm seeing behind the scenes, like these people I've seen on TV before, I'm seeing them behind the scenes. I'm seeing one of them get really frustrated because stuff's not working out with the teleprompter right and, and the, the lady who's the anchor has to put you know, her hand on this, the, other, the male anchor's arm to calm him down because he's getting really frustrated. I'm like, man, this is not, not what you see on TV. And I got to see all of that and then we went from there to the Republican victory party where Haley Barber was going to be and, and we go there and they're already kind of wrapping up at that point, and so we pop in for a minute. And by the way, real, real life hack here, if on election night you ever want free food, just like put on a collared shirt and go to the victory parties because it's just anyone can walk in and it's food there. And so we're there at the Republican victory party, and of course Haley Barber had won, if you remember that election, and we're getting ready to leave. And as we're walking out, Haley Barber's walking out, and so I get a chance to meet him, and he kind of knows my dad a little bit, uh, kind of like John Arthur Eves did. And so he shakes my hand and kind of treats me nice. We're walking out like together, just me and the governor walking out. And, and he tells me some story about how he had a cousin named Ezekiel, and I couldn't really figure out why he was saying that. And then I thought maybe my name's Elijah, maybe he misheard me. So I had this moment with the governor where he's telling me about his cousin Ezekiel and, and had all this. And then the next day I wake up and like I look at the newspaper because that was 2007. We we're still doing the newspaper thing. And like there's pictures of these guys there and there's brief sound bites from them. And, and it was so weird to look at the picture in the front of the newspaper and read the quotes from these guys and then think back about how one of them was like sitting on his bed up in the room as we were all standing around praying and, and how the other one was telling me about his cousin 
Ezekiel and about his life. Like it was, it was this weird thing of getting to see behind the scenes and behind the scenes and that experience with those guys, it just feels way more real. Sometimes when, when we're listening to the Christmas story or reading the Christmas story, like what the Bible says is absolutely true, but, but how we read it sometimes, we read it in a very flat way where we, we read what the Bible says and it's like, okay, that's, that's good, like Jesus came, right? The manger, shepherds come, there's some angels. That sounds good. Like what a nice, tidy little story. But there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And I'm not talking about like you've got to go outside the Bible. Within the Bible, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that, that I think we need to pay attention to. One of the things that we learn right off the bat in, in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, right, is that there was, there was a census that went out because the emperor of the time, emperor of Rome, who was, who was thousands of miles away from the town of Bethlehem, said, hey, I want us to do a count of everybody, and this count was for tax purposes so that the government could get all as much, as much money as they felt like they were owed from these people, and so they did a census. And in a census, everyone had to go back to where they owned property and where they were legal residents of. And so Joseph, who at this point is, is engaged or betrothed is the biblical term to Mary, and Mary's pregnant, not with Joseph's baby, but she was made pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and she's carrying Jesus in her womb, and they go back to Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem is where Joseph was from, probably where Mary was from, and they go back to Bethlehem. And we know at this time from archaeology that a lot of people had moved from the area of Bethlehem to Nazareth, which is where Jesus grew up and where Joseph was living at this time. And there seems to be this migration that was taking place for economic reasons. Like all these, like Joseph and others were moving up to get better jobs, to make money. There was this migration that took place. But suddenly the government, some, some emperor somewhere, says to some bureaucrat there back in Rome, hey, we need everybody to go back where they're legal residents, where they own property. And so Joseph has to travel all the way back to Bethlehem with his wife, who's very pregnant. And they come back to Bethlehem. And that's where the whole Christmas story unfolds. So if I were to ask you, why were Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem? I think one of the best answers would be, well, they were in Bethlehem because there was a census. And they all had to go back. Everyone had to go back where they were from. Maybe if, if you were paying attention to what I just said, you might also say, well, it's because they had recently migrated away from Bethlehem, probably, and they were living somewhere else, and so they had to, when the census came, come back. It was because they were under Roman rule. But there's always two levels to why things happen the way they do in life. The first level is the, the human or natural causes. Now, this is what we, we see most of the time. This is what shapes a lot of our life. You've made a bad decision. You're living with the consequences of that now. Somebody else has made a bad decision, living with the consequences. You, you made a good decision. You took that job, and, and now you're working that job, and you love that job. It's, it's great. You, you, you've gotten to that relationship, and that relationship is great, right? Or you got into the relationship you shouldn't have. It's, life's not great at this point, but, but a lot of the things we, we live and do, it's right, natural or human decisions, natural or human causes. But, but in our lives, there's, there's a deeper level, and that is that God is at work. So there's natural and human causes up here. But behind the scenes, God is at work, and he's always active. Sometimes he's causing things. Often he's using decisions and using things that have happened, and he's moving these pieces in the background to accomplish his purpose. So on the one hand, right, Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem because that's what, that's what they needed to do, to, be, to do what the, what the emperor said to do. On the other hand, God was at work behind the scenes. Let me show you what I mean. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Micah. Micah is a prophet. 
one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And there's a short book written by Micah the prophet. Now, Micah was a prophet around 700 years before Jesus came. So around 700 BC. And and at the time of the prophecy we're going to look at in Micah 5, the Assyrian army, and Assyria was the greatest empire of the day, had invaded Israel. And they'd invaded the the northern uh, nation of Israel and the southern nation or kingdom of Judah. And Judah is where uh, Bethlehem and Jerusalem and all that was. And they'd invaded it. So this is a really tough time. And there was no way that Israel and Judah could stand up against Assyria on their own. Really tough time of their lives. Now, I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe today, maybe you're, you're there at a really tough time uh, in your life. You're, you're, you're wrestling through, pushing through. You don't see the way out. But I want you to know, don't just look at human causes, right? Don't look at natural causes. Look at the deeper thing that God is doing. So here's what the Bible says in Micah chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Micah says with this prophecy, he says, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. So there's a siege coming, right? It's Assyria, this great empire. And he says they strike the judge of Israel on the, on the cheek. He's talking about the king of Israel at the time. And him getting struck on the cheek was just a sign of humiliation. In other words, there's nothing you can do. You're getting demolished. You're getting destroyed right now. No, no way you can really fight back. And this is what Micah goes on to say. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. So in the middle of this this really discouraging and hopeless time, there there is this hope that comes, and that's from this place called Bethlehem. And Ephrathah is is a way of uh, describing where it was. There were actually multiple Bethlehems. And this is the one that's talked about in Luke 2 in the Christmas story. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you're too little to be among the clans of Judah. Like you're insignificant. There's nothing about you that's that special. You're a small little community. But from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler in Israel. His origin is from of old, from ancient days. That whole thing of origin being of old points back to how he's going to be from David, who was this King David. But it's also for us now, we, we understand who Jesus is, that, that Jesus is eternal. He always was, he always will be. And he became a human so that God could save us, save his people. And so you get, the, get this prophecy, Bethlehem, right? Out of Bethlehem is going to come this ruler. And then we're told, we're continuing. So look down at your Bibles again, verse 3. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Remember, this is 700 years before Jesus, but talking about Mary giving birth to Jesus. And then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. So what's going to happen, Micah says, is when this ruler comes, he's going to come out of Bethlehem. This, he's going to be born of this woman. And then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. There's going to be a restoration of, of relationships and of lives that takes place. The word return in Hebrew can, can mean that, that idea of coming back to something or turning around, but it's also the idea of repentance. So when this one comes, people are going to turn from their sins and their own way back to God. People are going to be restored back into relationships. And then it says, He shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great 
to the ends of the earth. So this one who's going to come, right? We know it's talking about Jesus. It's going to come out of Bethlehem. It's going to be a shepherd. It's going to lead and protect and guide. And his name's going to be great. But everybody who's close to him, who's part of his flock, is going to have this security. And then the final thing it says here, and, and he shall be their peace. He shall be their peace. When, when this one comes, this, this ruler comes out of this little place called Bethlehem. When he comes, he's going to bring peace. Now, the idea of peace in the Old Testament is the word Hebrew word shalom. And it means not just that there's no fighting, but it means that there's a wholeness. There's a completeness, right? There's, there's like an abundance that's going on in life. And so when, when Jesus comes... This is a prophecy, right? Without using the name Jesus, when this one comes out of Bethlehem, there's going to be a peace, there's going to be a prosperity, there's going to be a wholeness, there's going to be a restoration of relationships, there's going to be a security in our lives. I think this this had to have been hard to believe because they're getting invaded right now by Assyria when Micah's given this prophecy. And when Jesus came, the Jewish people, they, they were under the authority of this, this invading army, the Romans. And then for us today, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that, that the peace being talked about in the Bible is really possible. I mean, for many of us, we're wrestling with that right now. Can we really have that kind of peace? But when Jesus comes, he brings restoration. Uh, about a year and a half ago, coming up on two years ago, we had someone preach here at Foundry. His name is Roberto Stevenson. He's a pastor down in Mexico, born in the U.S., U.S. citizen originally, but ended up as a missionary in Mexico, and now he's pastoring this massive church, about 10,000 people. They've started something like 70 other churches, but his story didn't start there. His story started, he grew up and had a loving mom in his life, but when he hit his teenage years, began to kind of live his own way. Uh, his mom was a good Methodist lady, always prayed for him, but he was living his own life, just, just doing whatever he wanted to do, whatever he needed to do. He ended up getting involved in using illicit drugs, illegal drugs, and finally got caught for it. What, what he had done wasn't really that significant, at least by legal standards, but there was a judge who decided to make an example out of him. A federal judge sentenced him for what he had done and put him in a federal prison, which is a pretty serious place to find yourself. So Roberto's there. I think he was like 17 years old, and his life's pretty much over. I mean, not really over, but by the time he gets out, it's going to be really tough, and, and it is, there's no prosperity, there's no shalom, there's no peace in his life. And while he was in there, he ended up interacting with a bunch of uh, Pentecostals, uh, apostolic Pentecostals. I think he said holiness apostolic Pentecostals. And they led him to the Lord. It's these guys who were in prison and they, their lives had been changed by the Lord. And they led him to actually put his trust in Jesus. And he did. Now I want you to notice something about this story. When he put his trust in Jesus, everything about his life didn't change immediately. He didn't get out of jail immediately. Things didn't get better immediately from his situation. But he had... A peace. He had this restoration, this peace that took place in his life. He was suddenly secure because he belonged to the Lord. Well, the Lord ended up working in his life and through the prayers of his mom, and he got released early, and he got out. He ended up getting married to an amazing godly woman. He got involved in ministry. He started serving. The Lord's eventually led him now down to Mexico, and through this kind of crazy turn of events, uh, he ended up getting involved with this, uh, this Catholic priest who had 
who had begun to actually teach the Bible and hadn't been before and got kicked out of the Catholic Church. And then the Holy Spirit moved in this amazing way and this huge church took place and Roberto got involved with it. Then this guy made Roberto the pastor there. Now, Roberto has has this massive ministry where he's serving like thousands and thousands of people and leading this amazing church that's now started 70 other churches. And his life is such an example of the restoration God can bring. Like there really is this, this, this reality that now that Jesus has come, there's, there's a peace we can experience. Because the, the, like the prophecy in Micah says, there's a ruler that's going to come out of Bethlehem. And he's going to bring a security. He's going to bring a restoration. He's going to bring peace. This is why the, what the angels say when they appear to the shepherds on the night that Jesus was born is so important. The angels appear and it says they're praising and glorifying God. And they're saying, peace on earth, goodwill to men, right? Peace on earth. Peace has come to earth through Jesus. This is exactly what was prophesied in the book of Micah. So even though on the surface what brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem was an emperor in Rome and was the fact that that's where they were from and it was because of economics and the migrations going on at the time. What really brought them back is that God in the middle of these very normal, boring, governmental, taxation, economic things, God was moving the pieces and bringing the pieces in alignment with his will. And so what Bethlehem represents, it represents a God who 700 years before had made a commitment and a promise And that prophecy now being fulfilled by Jesus coming and bringing peace. So I want to turn this back now to to my life and to yours. Like we're in this place, we're in 2023, right? 2024 is just around the corner, which is is mind-boggling to me. And we're in this place, we're about to enter a new year. And we've got so much going on in life. And in your personal life, there's, there's probably financial pressures and there's relational strain. And you may be saying, hey, do I need to make a big change in my life? I'm, I'm kind of sick of where my life is at. And maybe you feel isolated. And maybe you feel like you're pouring yourself out and pouring yourself out, but you're not getting filled back up. And there's, there's just not a lot of peace around. And maybe, maybe your life is doing fine right now. Like you're feeling pretty good about where you're at. But then you look at the broader world and there's wars happening all over the world and there's, there's political issues going on within our own country and there's frustration and there's, there's shootings taking place. There's all this stuff out there and it's, it's hard to imagine us having peace and peace in our own lives. But what the story of Bethlehem, of Mary and Joseph and of Micah really, really emphasizes for us is that God is at work behind the scenes. And so in my life and your life, there's this, there's this level one where it's, it's the natural and human causes. So like the reason why you're here today is because you made a decision to come here or somebody invited you to come here. And so there's just a basic level of like, you're here because of this basic, like fundamental decision that was made by somebody. And maybe you're, you're like at a deeper level, you're where you're at in life because of decisions that were made or natural causes, things that took place. But at a much deeper level, God has been ordering the pieces of your life and bringing things together and shifting things to bring you to this point in your life. And maybe even into this space right now, God's brought you here because God is, is working something. And like just like 700 years before God said, I'm going to use Bethlehem. And then he, he reordered and configured all these factors to where Mary and Joseph brought peace into the world through Jesus, right? In Bethlehem, in the same way God is bringing something, he's bringing peace into your life. 
by bringing you to this point right now. He's brought you here, and he's been working in your life. Now, now maybe it's, it's tough for you to see it. I know really since, since 2020, so many things, like since COVID has come, there's just there's things have seemed like they've gone haywire in our world a little bit. But, but what, as, as I'm trying to look at what God's doing, I'm looking behind the scenes a little bit and seeing how God's reordering. There are so many people right now putting their trust in Jesus because they've realized everything around them that they thought they could put their trust in was not stable. Everything that seemed like stable and grounded isn't. And now they're realizing, okay, I, I need to put my trust in Jesus. This is especially happening with those like under the age of 35 right now. We're just seeing this take place. Like God's moving because people are realizing what I had is, is not enough. And what we're beginning to discover, I think, is the same thing that, that the Bible teaches us about Bethlehem, which is 700 years before God was, was working to bring peace into this world, that God's been working in, in our world and in my life and in your life to set things up where we recognize our need for him, we trust him, we hand over control of our lives to him, we follow his way, and we find the pre- peace that he wants to bring. One of the best examples of this is, is my granddad. His name was, was Jerry Friedemann. Jerry Friedemann lived in Great Bend, Kansas, a small, small town up in Kansas, right where the, the Arkansas River does a big kind of turn in Kansas, right there. At the Great Bend of the river is where he lived. And when he was in his early 30s, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He wasn't a Christian. When he was in his early 30s, he found out that he had a bad tumor in his brain. You'd actually look up and, and even see it uh, kind of up over his eye. There was, this, there was this tumor sitting on his brain. So they had to do an operation to remove it. The problem was they didn't have any health insurance. And so as he's about to go into this operation, they don't have a, a good way to pay for it. They're going to go into massive debt. But it's also a dangerous operation because it's removing a tumor from his brain. And he's got a couple, I think three at this point, small kids at home and a wife to take care of. And so he wasn't a religious man. He wasn't a man of faith. But he made a deal with God. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you. I think many of us have, have done this. But he made a deal with God. And he said, God, if you get me out of this alive, then I'll follow you. Now, come on. How, how many of us have, have made that deal before and then not followed through on the deal we made with God? But he goes into the surgery. He comes out of the surgery. It was successful. They removed the tumor. But there was an infection, and they couldn't put his, all of his skull back together. They, they removed a portion of his skull. And so they had to wait to put that piece back in. And so for like for months after this, he lived missing a piece of his skull. And, and when the day started, his head would look normal. He, he had, didn't have any hair. Uh, he was bald, which doesn't bode well for, for what's going, going on up here. But he was bald. And so the day he, his head looked normal, by the end of the day, there was just like a dip in his skull because there was no skull actually there. And so he couldn't forget about his promise he made to God because he needed God's help. And even though his situation was terrible, his family had gone into massive debt and he didn't have a whole piece of his skull and he had a weird little saggy piece of his head uh, and that looked weird. You know, it, it, he was going through this terrible time of his life. He couldn't forget about the promise he made to God. He began to trust God, began to, to follow Jesus, began to get involved in a church. And soon his wife, my grandmother, started following Jesus as well and got involved. They began to raise their kids to follow Jesus and love him. And my granddad began to serve in the community and, and honor Jesus and everything he did. And eventually he got his piece of his skull put back in and he was okay. Now they were in this massive debt. And so they had to pay off that debt for like years and years and years. 
But here's the result of that in his life today. He went through an incredibly tough time, but he trusted God with it. He surrendered himself to God in the middle of it. The outcome of all of that today is that I'm standing here and I'm following Jesus. And my family, right, that I came from is following Jesus. My dad, who is Jerry's son, is following Jesus in large measure because of what Jerry decided. In the middle of, of like, like humanly what had gone wrong was he had a tumor. But God was moving the pieces behind the scenes to bring him to a point where he put his trust in Jesus, really trust Jesus with what was going on. I think, I think God's done the same thing with many of us here. Like you can have a natural reason for why you're here, a natural reason for why you're at where you are in life. But God's been moving the pieces behind the scenes. He's been reordering things to bring you to a point where you can experience the peace of God. The angels appeared to the shepherds the night that Jesus was born, and they said, peace on earth, goodwill to men. And where did the shepherds go to experience peace? They went to Bethlehem, which is where Micah, 700 years before, had said peace would come, because they were looking for the one who brings peace, and that is Jesus. And today, many of us need peace. Like where our lives are at, where the world is at, we need peace, and we find peace by going to Jesus. And God's been working behind the scenes, reconfiguring things to bring you to this place where you can recognize, I need peace. I need Jesus. For some of us who aren't following Jesus, who aren't really actively like in relationship with him, what that looks like is just making a decision to follow him, turning from our sin and our way and trusting in Jesus. Maybe you've prayed a prayer like this before, but you're not actively following Jesus. What it looks like for you to find peace is to say, okay, I'm going to quit doing my own thing. I'm going to repent of my sin and my way, and I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust his death on the cross for me. I'm going to trust the resurrection from the dead, which showed he was the son of God, and I'm going to follow after him. And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that is your path to peace. But, but I'm realistic enough to know that there are some of us here today and, and we are following Jesus, but, but there's still this lack of peace. Like we do have ultimate peace with God through Jesus, but there's a deeper level. We, there's some part of our life, maybe it's finances or family or future. There's some part of your life where you don't really have that peace. And today is a chance, like on Christmas, I know like Christmas Eve, it doesn't feel like the time when you, you know, like would give like where you make a big spiritual step. It's like, well, let's just go in and get a little church and leave and go home. But today you've got this opportunity to recognize that whatever causes have led you to where you are in life right now, God has been working underneath all of that, reconfiguring, reordering, moving things to bring you to this Bethlehem, this place where he's prepared ahead of time for you to experience peace. And right now what it's going to look like is for you to take that part of your life where you're trying to hold on and figure it out and do it your own way and you don't have peace and just say, God, I'm going to trust you with this. You are the peace giver, the peace bringer, Jesus. I'm going to trust you with this area of my life. And then walk forward with just that, that freedom that you have given it over to him. And God's brought you to this moment to find that peace to continue to walk with him and to serve those around you. And so here's my question for you and maybe for me today, and that is, what do you need to hand over to Jesus? What do you need to turn from to find the restoration and the security to find the peace that Jesus came to bring? In some way, today is your chance to step into Bethlehem and experience the peace that God promised through the prophet Micah that he announced through his angels. And now he's, he's telling you right now, 
through this message, that there's peace available for you. So let's go to prayer right now. Let's bow our heads and prepare for prayer. Father, I ask that you would, for everyone who's watching and listening to this right now, that you would bring peace into our lives, that we would be able to trust you. And Lord, for anyone who's listening to this or watching this right now, who, who hasn't trusted you for salvation from their sins, I pray that you would help them to do that, to, to repent and turn away from their own way and to trust in you, to right now just commit their hearts and their lives to you. But for those who are here and listening right now who are, are already following you, but, but they're still not experiencing like total peace, would you encounter them at the place where they're not experiencing peace? Would you help them to begin to see how you've been working behind the scenes to bring them to this place in this moment to experience you in a deeper way? Jesus, we thank you for coming to this world, for bringing peace, and we ask that you would help us to experience your peace more fully and more deeply than we ever have before. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.